Fall is here, there's a chill in the air, and the Anomaly Film Festival is right around the corner. It's November 8th through the 12th at the Little Theater in Rochester, New York. Check it out at AnomalyFilmFest.com. It's the fifth year of showing the best in independent genre films, action, sci-fi, horror, dark comedy, and really whatever else that you wouldn't get a chance to see on the big screen. It's Anomaly Film Fest at the Little Theater, November 8th through 12th, AnomalyFilmFest.com. Masters of Couch Potato Style Punches and Popcorn Welcome back to our show Everyone, all our dozens of listeners Our army of Punches and Popcorns fans Worldwide or within zip code wide, maybe Uh, Welcome back to another show We're very excited to bring you our fourth episode now, and we're switching things up pretty significantly in this episode. So um, outside of the topic of the movie and kind of the background of the movie that I'll get into in a little bit, we have a new kind of composition to our show for today. So sadly, we are missing one of our Couch Potato Ninjas today. Uh, Jason, the genius, as I dub him, is not present today. I believe that he is continuing to search for the Western New York Pumite, which uh, according to, we had a lot of conversation about this because we were really concerned first that he would find it and then if he would let us know. And also then, you know, we don't want him to get hurt. But um, I believe that the professor here, Dr. Dom, told me that he thinks the Western New York Pumite is a wing eating contest. Can it be? Please, please. Can could you be? imagine? Could you imagine if like Duff's or Anchor Bar was like, you know, on like a Thursday night at like eleven forty? Only the best wing eaters come to the basement and have like a wing eating contest, <laughs> and they call it the Kumite. Do we know totally. this isn't happening? I feel like this is already happening at some point. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, this is it is. That- well, if if I find out it's happening and I'm not invited, I'm going to be really upset because I would like to consider myself a professional wing eater. But that's a topic for another day. Um, but just so side I- note. I'm a retired. I, I would like to. I would like to also state I'm a retired professional wing eater. So as our audience probably figured out based on my accent, I'm not from Buffalo. When I moved here, I went around as many places as I could to eat as many wings as I could to see what my favorite wings were. So six months, I get a physical and my doctor is like, oh, my God, your cholesterol is through the roof. What do you eat? And I'm just like, "Uh, chicken wings. And she's like, no, not anymore. You don't. So I had to. But to be fair, I wasn't doing it the right way. You figure you'd go to a place and you'd have a few wings and try them out. No, I'm like, dude, I can totally tackle 20 wings in a sitting. That's not something you want to do regularly. So, um, see, I thought you were going to say ranch. <laughs> oh yeah, that's the. I mean, that's the that's the mortal sin. Oh stop! Uh, it. Stop it! Don't insult me. Listen, Don't I, insult it's, me. It's uh, it's empirical evidence that you were collecting, right? Mm, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I empirically right, well, almost died. <laughs> But you're still here, which proves your iron. Mm. Uh, the other thing, we're missing our friend Jason, who again is hopefully not dying in a uh, Western New York Kumite, either by punches or cholesterol. It, it's a toss up. We have our first ever guest, uh, my personal friend, Jackie McGriff. 
Uh, Jackie, welcome to the show. Uh, introduce yourself, please. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So I'm Jackie McGriff. I am a portrait photographer here in Rochester, as well as a filmmaker, um, the co-founder, director, and producer for Our Voices Project. Um, and we are about sharing stories uh, about uh, Black and Brown people um, and also being an educational resource. Um, so um, that is what I do. And of course, like a huge film fan. Um, yeah, I'm excited to talk about this movie. Yeah. Awesome. Well, we're so thankful to have you here. Uh, Jackie is an incredibly talented filmmaker. Uh, if you have a chance, we really suggest go over to uh, Our Voices Project's website. It's ourvoicesproject.org. Dot com. Yeah. Dot com. Thank you. Yes. Um, where you can see a, a lot of the profile films she's made. They're just absolutely fantastic. Can't say enough. Um, and I know uh, very well Jackie's love of film. Because the movie that we're covering tonight, The Raid, I did actually not watch until Jackie let me borrow the DVD, the Blu-ray of it, for a significantly long time. So I feel like, aside from just you being awesome and wanting your voice here, I feel like the length of time that, like, you let me borrow that that disc and, like, didn't, like, come over to, like, break my legs, is that's enough to, like, <laughs> have you on, so... Uh, I'm not. I'm not yeah. Eco Uwe's, Just to be fair, um, I'm not. I'm not him. Um, yes, uh, but no. I, I was like, listen, you have to watch the film, and no matter how long it takes, you need to watch this film. And I have, you know, I have made many other films. Of course, I was missing it, but I was like, no. The priority is that you watch it right, and then and then send it back. So it happened, and I eventually got them back. So there you go. Boom. <laughs> and now I've purchased it for myself, so now I can let someone else borrow it indefinitely. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so thankful am I that you let me borrow it, because this has quickly become one of my favorite films. Uh, before we dive in, our magic man, Matt, who's keeping us all together here. Uh, Matt, you want to say hi to the audience? Hey, what's up, everybody? This week, you can call me Matt Knox, colon, Redemption. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I don't know what colon redemption. Oh, the 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 grammatical thing. Ah, sorry. Take it I was like, you. I was like, I, don't, I was like, you need to see a doctor. <laughs> you really do. <laughs> All right, wings and things. It, you tell me what to do. To... <laughs> colon redemption. I just not to not to plug or well, no, not to not 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 to because I will always. I, I don't know if I corrected the double negative on there. I was an English major, so the logic someone can correct still later. counts. But uh, to plug a fellow show here, um, one of our fellow Lunchador podcast shows that Matt also is the magic fan on, Beer Review Journal, Uh, if you've listened to their most recent episode, I could see after some of that, Matt might need a colon redemption. That's a a Beer Review Journal. That's a lot. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> All right. Well, let's let's jump into this movie. Uh, so tonight we're talking about the raid. And just a really quick background for this movie. So once upon a time, there was a man named Gareth Evans who was whiling away his time in well in Wales, hoping to launch a career in film. Uh, not really finding a lot of success there when his wife, uh, who is of Indonesian descent, suggests or basically got him a job uh, producing a documentary film on the martial art sila and Dom, correct me if i'm mispronouncing that i'm looking forward to you telling me all about this martial art uh into indonesia so gareth evans moved to moved to indonesia to jakarta to film this documentary and while he filmed this documentary he was found this in the in the dojo a dojo is probably not the correct term so 
again, all this can be corrected after. Uh, in the school that he went to to film this Salat documentary, came across a young fighter, Iko Ues, who, as we all now know, is this fantastically talented, charismatic martial artist actor at the time was just a martial artist and a delivery driver. Uh, Gareth Evans saw this guy, knew right away, we've got to do something with him. Uh, he's This is a star in the making. So uh, before too long, he produced first a film, Marantau, which was uh, uh, fairly popular within Indonesia and starred Iko Uwais and was one of the first kind of films to um, portray Silat and get some recognition, uh, which ended up leading to Gareth Evans deciding, well, I want to do this kind of big uh, feature for this martial art, uh, which led to the raid. So I don't want to spend too much time. Well, I'm sure we'll talk more about kind of what happened with uh, what led to this particular movie and everything about it. But, it, you know, we're not here just to listen to Mike tell you a story about the history of this movie making. Uh, let's jump into it. Again, this is a film I love. And if it weren't for my friend Jackie here, I would have never seen, or I would have maybe seen sometime years away, would while away on my watch list. But now it is on my love list. Uh, so I've talked enough for the moment, guys. I am interested in your, the rain. Just what are your thoughts about this movie? What do you, you know, just a quick, like, how do you feel about this movie? Uh, well, okay. So since I introduced you to movie, <laughs> I can get into that. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I think I saw, I think I first, I don't know if I, well, it, it wasn't too long, like, after it had come, I had seen it, like, at, I was looking for a movie to watch, and, um, like, I, I thought I had seen a trailer, um, and people were telling me about this movie, and, and so I saw it was in Redbox, um, and decided to rent it and everything, and, like, from start to finish, I was just in love with this movie, because, so my father, like when I was growing up and stuff, I always remember him like watching these old, like, you know, older um, martial arts movies and everything. And I, I don't know why I couldn't, and it just might've been my age, but I really just couldn't get into it. Um, but like this movie, um, from what I had seen from the trailer, the fight scenes looked like nothing I had seen before. So that was my big interest going into it. And then like it opens up and like the plot is not like, I mean, it's pretty like straightforward, the plot, you know, um, but just the, the camera, number one, the camera work, the cinematography, um, the fight choreography is out of this world. Um, and seriously, like you were saying before, like Iko Uwes, I don't know why this man is not like a Hollywood star and it really needs to be, um, it needs to be remedied because he, again, he's charismatic. He's like, he's got you like hooked in. He's that rookie who, you know, knows his stuff and is really just about like help, like helping people out of the situation at the same time, like doing his job. Um, so yeah, like this movie, I just love everything about this movie, but yeah, every time I go back and watch, there's always something else that I catch, especially in the way that he, and especially in the way that he fights. Um, and one thing, like one of my biggest pet peeves, whenever I'm watching like any movie, it doesn't necessarily have to be martial art, but whenever I'm watching movie, and there's a fight scene, you get the very shaky cam and there's not, and there's a lot of like cuts and stuff. So you can't really see like what's going on. Like you'll, 
like they'll they'll give you that like one move or one or two moves that are like really awesome but then for like the, the hand-to-hand combat and stuff it's not like you can't really see it you're not it's just like cutting between them and this and i was really like focused on this as i always am with any movie but like this in particular um especially like rewatching it um they're it lets it allows you to see like what's going on, like the choreography that's actually taking place. There's not a whole lot of cuts. Um, it gives you wide shots, um, and it's not like the kind of shaky cam where it's hard to really focus, you know, on what's going on. It's actually like there might be a little shaky, but that's because like it's supposed to make you feel like like in like you're in it, like you're in the action right now, rather than like just confused and like. <laughs> get like a little sick because of how how shaky right, the right. cam is and everything so so yeah that's what i really found refreshing about about this film so um right, those are right. my initial Which is crazy <laughs> oh yeah that's totally with you on and it's crazy that he's able to achieve that because and as i'm sure we'll talk about more later that he really was going for uh, you know evans wanted a handheld style to it and he really used these not super fancy cameras uh these Panasonics with this big rig that mm-hmm. helps stabilize it a little, little, but he was specific and I don't yeah. want any steady cam, but right. that, right. It's that balance between the, it feels very organic, but it's also not like, Oh, this, uh, you know, you, it's easy to feel like you are right in the room with them yes. at all times. That's great. Uh, Dom, Matt, how about you guys? Yeah, I, I agree. It does strike that kind of perfect balance. Right. I, I think my, my touch points for the shaky cam fight scenes are they're like, the Bourne Identity movies, where like yeah. they're, they're disguising the fact that Matt Damon can't kick above his knee, yeah. um, or like modern WWE television are like my two touch points for like I will get motion sick if I try to watch yes. this. Um, and it's 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 interesting because it's really artfully done. Like Jackie said, it, it's it makes you feel in the moment, and you can actually kind of focus on what that fight is. It's like you're sitting there watching it in the room rather than trying to create the illusion of motion by just throwing the camera around the room, uh, which I find fascinating. The whole thing is shot really, really well to, to kind of highlight the the performers, which I think is is phenomenal. Um, and not something you see often in action movies these days. Yeah. My touch point, (laughs) we were were talking about touch point. One of mine is like, uh, I immediately think of hunger games because I do remember feeling sick, like <laughs> sick to my stomach. I'm watching on this giant screen and they show the kids running. Now, I don't know why whoever was operating the camera at the time, I was like, this is this is like bad, like camera operating. And this is bad direction right here. Just like I, I shouldn't there shouldn't be like shaking with a kid like running and then they're fighting. I You're doing this. I don't know what's going on. And I'm also just getting sick. So. You, you have to hide the fact that. That Jennifer Lawrence runs weird. That's all. She keeps her elbows at her sides. Well, it's, it's not even. Jennifer Lawrence, it's not even Jennifer. It's just like some. <laughs> it's just like some random kid. Yeah. Like, why is there the shaky cam? Like, you can't just have a steady and some a kid running toward like. I don't know. Anyway. No, you, you have to pretend you're running with him, or else how will you? How will you know he's running? <laughs> I don't know. Ask Tom Cruise. God. <laughs> Tom Cruise and Reacher, where he's five foot six playing an eight foot tall man. <laughs> anyway, that's no, I can't go there. I can't. Anyway. Dom, your opinions. I can't. Tom. <laughs> Don't get me started on Reacher. All right. 
So, so I'd love to, I, I agree with everything that's been said. I feel like, and, and, you know, I'm not a cinematographer by any means, but I feel like the shaky cam has become more and more and more popular to add a certain degree of authenticity as well as like maybe, maybe to swing back from the fact that everything is friggin' CGI and so they look, look, this is real. See, look, this is real. Right. You know, <clears throat> But here's the thing about this movie. Everything you said is true from a visceral standpoint. I felt like, um, so, you know, when you were in like middle school and a fight broke out and everyone's like, fight, and everyone would run towards the fight. That's how it was filmed. I felt like you're, I felt yeah. like the camera started kind of far back. And then the cameraman felt like it was like running towards the fight, looking over the shoulder and like, except for the chanting that you, that kids typically do. Cause you know, let's face it. Middle schoolers are the worst kind of people. Yeah, um, I had to remember high, uh, middle school, Dom. Like I was, <laughs> it was far back in the hippocampus and then you just yeah. brought it back i'm i'm very sorry um, i'm, I'm oh very sorry uh, yeah it was it was a terrible time for me too but that's what it felt like it felt like i was running towards a fight and be like whoa like and, and i feel like so so let's take um so if we take uh, enter the dragon which you know most of us have seen here i found the camera to be pretty much stationary and then, you know, Bruce Lee's standing there and it's like, pop, 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 pop. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. And then, like, there were a lot of cuts I found in, um, in, um, whatchamacallit, the, um, King Boxer. Like, they, sometimes they cut way too many times. In this, I would change nothing. I was so amped because I felt like I was there. And not in the, like, oh, we're trying to create this feeling like we're, no, I felt like I was looking over this guy's shoulder and I'm like, yeah, mess him up. Wow, you know, that kind of thing. It has a certain like pit fighting <laughs> feel to it. It's and 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 that adds to the aggression of it, you know, because this is not this is not a movie about a martial arts tournament or about two warriors sizing each other up or an honorable showdown. No, this is like fight for your life, one hundred percent no holds bar. And the camera work only adds to that actually my go-to for crappy camera work is actually the first of the christopher nolan batman trilogy which he fixed in, in, in dark knight but in the first one you know when the guy's like where are you and he's hanging upside he's like here and then you can pop, 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 pop and i'm like <laughs> and i'm like dude it's batman batman is batman if if you need to fool me to think that batman can kick your ass i'm out like come on and I'm, no one's great. No one's great. That mo the movie Batman Begins is great. That was the one major criticism, and he fixed it in The Dark Knight. Because in The Dark Knight, there's that one scene where he's walking through a club and he just bludgeons all these guys with his fist. Yeah. I'm like, that's how you do it. I want to watch that. So yeah, this movie, great. I feel the camera work is superb, and also because the camera work is superb, this is a masterclass in Penchet Silat. It really, really is. Like, I don't know a lot about Silat. But um, so first of all, the term silat is is a very broad umbrella term. It's like kung fu. You know, if someone's like, "Do you know kung fu?" It's like, it's like saying, "I listen to jazz." You know, like what? What do you mean? Like what kind? You know, there's so many subdivisions of it. So silat is uh, for the audience. It's a uh, it's a Southeast Asian martial art. It's very much an umbrella term for the martial arts from that entire region because this is an Indonesian movie. Um, clearly, you know. Clearly, it, it encompasses that too. The the kind of 
sport fighting version of it is called Penchet Silat, and that's what they typically do in this movie, and that's what the actors were trained in. So, uh, yeah, it's typically like a full body fighting style. It incorporates, I mean, obviously, punches, kicks. There's a fair amount of grappling, which is very impressive, and the weapons. Like, And that's what I like is the way they incorporate weapons in this movie is it's fantastic. It's fantastic because like like what they'll do is they'll pop pop pop, they'll pull out a knife, stab the guy in the stab the guy in the chest. Then back up, pop him again and then stab him again. Like it's not like they fight with the knives and then they fight with their fists. It's it, it the 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 weapon work is seamlessly incorporated into the fighting until they lose their weapons. And that's one of the awesome things is they start it's all like M16 full combat stuff with no martial arts. In fact, my wife started watching this movie and she's like, "Where's the martial arts?" And I'm like, I remember there being martial arts in this. And then half an hour in is what the first punch is thrown. And then like knife fighting. And then it just becomes like crazy fighting with light bulbs and shit in your neck. And yeah, it's great. Great. Superb. <laughs> right. Well, you hit on covered so far. You know, first from a setting standpoint, every other movie we've done has either been about has happened in Hong Kong is filmed in Hong Kong. It, you know, we've been very Hong Kong centric. So now we're in Jakarta. Uh, which Dom has had the pleasure of visiting. I actually so saw I'm this movie for the. Hear... I'm sorry to interrupt you, Mike. I saw this movie no, in Jakarta. Do. Yeah, I did. I saw. I saw oh, the movie in Jakarta. Cool. So I was cool. literally like, I, I was in Jakarta visiting someone, and they're like, "Have you seen the raid?" And I go, "No." And they're like, "It's the pride and joy of our country." And I watched it, and I was like, "This is awesome." So I've seen it in the original um, Indonesian in Jakarta in indonesia which was really really cool so yeah I, that's kind of a fun side note it's yeah by the way indonesia was so cool that's, that's, that's amazing yeah. so Seriously. the fact that you it it was referred to as the pride of indonesia makes my heart so happy. <laughs> this person said that to me it should it was be like, worldwide in it right <laughs> yeah, i'm gonna take it on authority right there Dom. <laughs> i think we mentioned with this with the uh with our blood sport episode that in this, in Punches and Popcorn, if we come across the fact, we just call it a, that's the authoritative fact. So this is, yep, that's the that's the story. That's right. That's uh, our podcasting. For me, so what I love about it, again, this is very different from what we've done. Uh, you know, again, that it's not set in Hong Kong. Uh, as you touched on before, it doesn't feature a tournament. Uh, you know, this is literally fighting for your life. Uh, this is as our favorite song from Bloodsport, Fight to Survive. This movie is literally all about fighting to survive. But the thing that I love about this movie, um, even though it does not feature, this is the first time we don't have a role for the Patriot Saint of the podcast, Bolo Young. So I just tell myself that, like, he was in one of these apartments. We just didn't see him because Bolo is our man. So he, so I, he I wouldn't have come out. He wouldn't have answered that call, right? He, so he would have just stayed in his apartment. I printed out a three by five, like glossy photograph of him and I taped it to my television, like right in the left hand corner. So he was in the movie for me and he never died. He never got hurt. He survived, never changed his facial expression. It was great. There you go. See our, our Bolo. He never disappoints us. Uh, and as you mentioned, another significant thing, this is the first movie that we've done that features guns. Eh? Even something like enter the dragon where they had to like, explain the plot point of why there are no guns. We have guns in this movie. In fact, the first time that I heard this, I heard of this movie, I was just looking at a list of like, what are great martial arts movies I've never heard of? 
and the raid was on there. And as I looked at it, you know, read the synopsis and all that, I'm like, well, this sounds cool, but it sounds like this is a, you know, a shoot 'em up action movie. So how is this a martial arts movie? Uh, and obviously watching it, you see how. But what I love about this movie, again, I am I am a verbose man. I love talking. That is my, you know, I'm half Irish, half Puerto Rican, and I feel like both sides combine to just make me want to talk all the time because that's what both of our cultures excel in. Uh, but I, so because I know I talk a lot, I, when I tell stories, I, you know, my stories are, are long. Uh, this is just who I, I know it. So I really love and respect, like my favorite movies are ones that are like the exact opposite of that. that are very restrained, very focused because I know I am so bad at it. I love films that have a very narrow focus, uh, you know, a short, a short run length that can that know what they want to accomplish and can put us into that in a very concise and focused way. And I just like, you know, for me, one of my favorite Tarantino movie is Reservoir Dogs, because I love that it's really about like five guys in a room, like 90% of the movie is five guys in a room just talking. And I love movies that can do that. And what I this is like, the ultimate for me that this is a SWAT team that really when it comes down to it is three guys for most of the movie that are still alive that are in this building just trying to survive for 100 minutes of film. And I love that just very narrowed focus that they have here. And, you know, they do a couple things. Uh, You know, Evans puts in a couple things to kind of establish this is the world outside of the building. But otherwise, it's just very minute to minute, just trying to survive until we can get out of it. And I love that uh, everything that he put, it's very sparse. It's very economic in storytelling. You know, we get the very quick moments in the beginning where we see, it, or right away, you see Iko Arama, as his character is, his pregnant wife. You know, right away, that buys in the, you know, we have that empathy right there. Okay, well, I love this guy. He's, you know, got this this wife. He's a caring, you know, he's going to be a father. He's really, you know, so we already buy into that. We meet the father. We get a little bit of that. And, you know, it's just right away within a couple minutes, we get that instant, okay, I connect with this guy. You know, I understand who he is. I want to see this guy come out of it. And then we're on the bus, you know, going to the building. And, you know, we get Jaka, the leader of the squad here, gives us kind of the rundown of this is the situation. We see this really quick scene uh, with Tama, the bad guy, that is freaking fantastic. And again, I don't want to like uh, have me just talk, we'll all, uh, you know, I'm sure we'll We'll hit on all these, but it's just really quick in a couple minutes. We get all the players and we understand this is the situation and boom, go. And it really is like get in there and nothing is wasted in this movie. Everything is very focused and, you know, just as you both said, like you feel with them immediately and your thought is just, all right, how do I get out of here? Like, especially for Rama, it's just, how do I get out of here and live? Like, the whole concept, like, first you think we're going to get this bad guy, but as soon as, like, the entire squad dies, it's just, how do I get out of here? And With my brother really alive, well. too. With, with my brother. Right. Like, they right. do well, the- when he finds his right. Yeah. So, so, so I just got to comment on this. Um, so I forgot about this because I saw this movie in what, 2014, I think that's when I was in. Yeah. So I saw this in 2014 and I remember it was, you know, amazing, but the details of the plot, as you said, not, there are not many, but a major plot point is that his brother is like one of the top three thugs in this building. And I just, I was surprised. It's like, Oh, you're my brother. And all I could 
thought of was, have you guys ever seen Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Kevin Costner, Robin Hood, <laughs> finds out that Christian Slater is his brother. It's arguably one of the worst acting you've ever seen. Where he's like, I have a brother. I have a brother. I have a brother. I watched this movie with my brother, and I just look at him and I go, I have a brother. And he turns back, I have a brother. Like, <laughs> So, so okay, I'm watching this movie, and he's like, and he's like, you know, he's even the whole thing about how you should come home, get the hell out of here, and he's like, he's a brother. I have a brother. Oh my God. <laughs> it's kind of like injected in there. It's not a huge criticism, but like, it just made me think of Kevin Costa. I have a brother. I mean, there is that. So at the beginning, yeah, there when he's getting ready to leave his family, and he goes to his where we assume and it's assumed and it's implied that it's this is his father he's talking to and he's he says before he leaves i'm gonna get him i'm gonna bring him home so you're like okay who bringing who right. home yep. so then it's like oh okay so like when he finally like pulls him like into that one room you're like okay this must be the brother so then you're like making that connection and stuff so like you said like the plot is yeah i mean it's it's pretty it's straightforward it's narrow and that's all we need like you don't need anything else in there but uh mike what you were saying before about like situations where you're thinking like how the heck is he going to get out of this the one so the one instance i mean there's lots of them but the one that really gets me every time especially the first time but literally every time is like in the when he's in that cutout like or whatever it's like behind the wall and like that one guy the the false wall yeah, yeah. yeah. Like that one, I just like it was like I know what happens, but it still makes me nervous as hell. Because like here they are, injured, tired, trying to hide. This guy who's just nuts with his like his sword and everything or machete. I don't that's know. Machete. Oh yeah, that's machete. totally yeah, machete. I was like, I don't win it. Yeah. So weaponry, I don't I was like, it's machete, I think. Yeah. So anyway, okay. so yeah. <laughs> but he's like, you know, him and his his fellow thugs are like tearing up this apartment and this poor guy and his wife. Um, and then he's like stabbing the wall. And so you see this and I'm like, I I don't I don't know how you're I, yeah, it's that's one of the scenes that like my anxiety like immediately yeah. goes up it's crazy <laughs> um oh but yeah that was just like I, like I, I think it's the first time i watched it i like stood up and like walked a little bit out of the room because i was like i can't i can't i can't do this this is too much this is ridiculous right, oh my right, god right. Like, of course he's got to survive so you're like okay <laughs> but somehow he's gonna he's gotta get out of this because otherwise we don't have a movie but like i right. it's right. yeah because I'm also worried about right. the friend that's injured right. and like it's a lot. <laughs> right, right. I love the detail that like after he stabs, yes, he and, his his and his glove because he right to get the blood, and I'm right. like, oh, that's so smart. Like, right, because I was because that's all I was wondering too. This is why blood. my anxiety shot up. This is why my anxiety because <laughs> I was like, okay, bro, but like seriously, <laughs> there's blood now on the machete. How you need to get that off, and then as soon as. It, I say that, right? Like he's got his hand up, he's like wiping the blood right. off, and I'm like, oh right. my god, this movie. Yeah, <laughs> crazy. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. The only, yeah, I think. I mean, as far as like my anxiety going up in movies, it usually isn't. I think, I think the other movie to do that to me was Children of Men. 
Um, it's just like a that oh is stop anxiety. <laughs> just like I, I'm, I'm out of here. Like I can't. Yeah, yeah, crazy. I love dystopia. I love Children of Men. I could talk about that movie forever. It is. It is. It is. Cool. It is as far as like dystopian sci-fi, it's almost perfect. And yeah, that whole movie. By the way, speaking of great camera work, great camera yes. work, amazing yes. camera work, and yes. one of the best one shots ever, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but like, you're just like, oh my god, it, will it be okay? I mean, yeah. and, and like that movie is so sad. I'm almost like, should it be okay? Like, as all right. good dystopia, I'm like, eh, we should all die. This is terrible. I mean, like, this is right. a terrible. Future. Soon as you get like even the smallest hint of a breather, and then it. And then it just goes again, yeah. and you're like, I, I need, I need a break. I, yeah. need, I need something. It's yeah. yeah. But that's the thing. Right. Just to bring up breaks, this movie, yeah, doesn't like the raid. Back to the raid. Yeah, right, it right. Doesn't although it doesn't. I, I can't say it doesn't give you a break. It gives you a break at the exact right time to prevent. Yeah, monotony, and that's the thing about action yeah. movies. And this is—I mean, we argue this is a martial arts movie or an action movie. I feel that this is an action movie with some amazing martial arts. And the reason I say that is because the martial arts isn't necessary for the plot. It's not about martial artists. It's not about training and na na na. You know, it's not about a tournament and style. It's you know, they don't need fancy martial arts. This could all be like brawler style puncha puncha and it would be the same movie um but that's one of the problems i find with action movies especially nowadays where they're all two hours and 45 minutes and a cgi nuttiness which uh, we talked about this last time and i will actually yeah i am gonna bring it up these movies don't need to be so freaking long long. they don't need to be so long they don't batman did not need to be three hours long it did not it did not i'm saying it again and i liked it anyway (laughs) jackie jackie would you like to add something all right so i don't so you're not familiar with my thank you there here we go here comes matt you're not familiar with my hot takes so here we go um okay so and because i also had this i had this talk with mike on twitter oh yeah oh yeah (laughs) <laughs> to be fair, because I do love long movies, but but it, it's got to also. I do, do too. To I do point, too. To be fair, to the point, but it's got to keep my. It's got to keep my focus. It's got to keep my attention, of course, because you don't want to. You're there. You're going to be there for three hours. You'd better keep up like the entertainment and stuff. Yeah, Braveheart so should me, be three hours. Braveheart. Oh my gosh! Right. Uh, yeah. Right. But the Godfather but, Part Two should not have been that long. I'm just going to say. Anywho, however, the Batman. <laughs> Oh, wait, wait, wait. I'm 100% Italian. There is nothing wrong with The Godfather Part 2. Hey, 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 what are you talking about? You got a problem with The Godfather? You know... Okay. Like, like Godfather, Godfather is part of my family. I would go to visit my grandfather. My grandfather was named Arcangelo Corvace, and he had the VHS of Godfather Part Two, which was like a tome. It was like twelve cassettes. All right. And he's like, "When do you get older, we will watch it, The Godfather." And I'm like, "Okay." And we did, and it was very long. To be fair. But okay, okay, we can disagree about the Godfather. But I'm sorry. Transformers doesn't need to be three hours long. No. Transformers doesn't need to be three hours long. Come on now. I'm sorry for what I've done. Okay, here we go. <laughs> so, go on, Jackie, go on. Yes, okay, the Batman, here we go. So, for me, 
Because I knew from the get-go, people were going were gonna to compare it to every single Batman, right? That's just the nature of the thing, right? But what I loved about the Batman and why I felt like the length was actually a good amount is because this Batman is really like, it's more like investigative. Like they're going through connecting the dots to all of these different things, right? And so like you're having, you're having all these conversations. There's these like subtle little jokes. Okay, I'm sorry, but the thumb drive got me. Like it was hilarious. Um and they're going through all these different things. And so I'm like, okay, this is the proper way to try to connect each of these pieces. Because there's so much between, like, the corruption and all the players, like, in this, like, whole, in this entire plot. To connect the dots and everything, you need that you need that time to, like, get through all of that to then get to the solution or the resolution at the end. So, like, for me, and, it, and I, I understand, like, it's not going to be for everybody. Um, but for me, I thought the length was like an appropriate amount. I've watched it probably 10 times already. Cause I'm, I just, I just what? loved it. I loved how, it, yeah. Cause it's on HBO Max. I saw it twice in theaters. I, it. I saw it twice I in theaters. <laughs> so, so I'm very seasoned in this argument. Cause my, my brother is the <laughs> biggest Batman fan I know. And I know a lot of nerdy ass people. He's the biggest Batman <laughs> fan I know. I have a friend oh, yeah. like that too. There are two kinds of Batman movies. There are good ones. And then there are ones where he's like, I can't believe they made this movie. He really likes this new Batman. And there's oh, a yeah. lot, there's a lot to like about it. There's a yeah. lot to like about it. I, do feel that the pacing. Oh, I have to watch it. It felt like that. Yes, you do. Yes, you do, Mike. Yes, yeah. you do. Yeah. So we should talk about. So, so what we need to do. I, I, I think I, I don't want to. I don't want to tell people what to do. But I think the best course of action here would be that we do a punches and podcasts episode where we talk about Batman and the fight scenes in Batman movies. That sounds great. Yes. I think we should do that. Starting off with Adam West running around with a bomb over his head. I think that's where we start, and we go from there. <laughs> By the way, that's my uh, like my it. elevator pitch for the next Batman movie. It's just a reboot of the 68 Batman with Patrick Warburton as Batman. In and out in 90 minutes. You get Batmite, Batdog. Ace <laughs> the Bathound. Oh, I'd love it. I'm I would love you, it. I'm telling you, you do that, you're going to make money hand over fist. They won't know what to do. And you're going to annoy all those Zack Snyder it. people, which makes me very happy. <laughs> Okay, oh. I did not. Okay, here that's a perfect example. Perfect example. I did not see Justice League, nor did I see the Snyder cut. I don't know if there's any yeah, cutting that went on in the Snyder cut I don't know what of the Justice cut was, League because it was like four hours. Right? Four hours. I'm like four hours. My wife goes to me. She's like, "Do you want to watch that? How long is it?" And I go, "It's four hours." And she goes, "Nothing is four hours." And I go, you mean no movies for us? She's like, nothing is four hours. No. I find like, it hilarious, Irishman. though. Was the Irishman four hours? <laughs> no, but see, that's a movie that was too long. I'm sorry. Okay. I, and I, I kept that going was, after. That was too long. Like, yeah, seriously, though. That should have been, like, that should have been no, no. a show. It was like, cut it, cut it. Okay. <laughs> I, I just think it, it's just hilarious how we're like, this this <laughs> this movie is too long. But then we will binge watch TV shows. Like, that is like, I'm like, yeah, it's <laughs> Here's the thing. If it had been five separate one hour episodes, there'd be a conversation for it. But if I know I'm buckled in for a four hour movie and I'm sitting there watching Ben Affleck and Jason Momoa in cable knit sweaters drinking grog in a a bar in Norway for 35 minutes. Maybe there's some meat we could cut out of this. Maybe there's a little bit for brevity's sake. 
off topic again. Um, yeah. Well, for brevity's we'll sake, let's bring us back to the <laughs> <laughs> I will say, so one of the things I love when we were talking about the brother, right, is so I love in the beginning when Jaka gives us the rundown of this is the situation in the building. This is Tama. Uh, you know, these are his thugs. So he tells us, he's like, he has two right-hand men. One of them is just this crazy, wild, mad dog. And then the other one is like the smart, composed guy. And we see like one of them looks like dirty and wild. And the other one looks like fairly clean cut. And I just, I'll admit, I really wanted to be like the dirty, the dirty, you know, mad dog, who um, is probably my favorite character in the movie outside of Rama. Uh, I really wanted Mad Dog to be like, oh, I want this guy to actually be the like smart bean counter and then have the clean cut by guy be the super wild one, which I almost thought happened because like really the first time that we see the brother uh, for the most part where we really get significant time with him, he's in the elevator with the two side guys and he murders them. <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, this is the crazy guy. But then he's not. I love the mad dog guy. First of all, he's, uh, I believe he actually trained with, uh, the lead character, uh, the lead actor. So I I believe they're buddies. His martial arts are sick. By the way, when it comes to martial arts, the tiny guys can mess you up. Like never, (laughs) never trust the tiny guy. That's one of those things. There are two people you always want to avoid. The guy with cauliflower ear. Always avoid him. (laughs) If the guy is, I've said that to people. I was like, if you see a guy at a bar and he has cauliflower ear, do not get into a fight with him. Also, the little guys, the little guys, because you know that you know they know something. You know, they, and that guy, that guy's definitely <laughs> like that. He's like, how tall was he? he? Looked like he seriously. They depicted him like he was a four <laughs> foot six maniac. Like, and it's not, it's not. I'm not insulting him. He just looked like a right. small guy. And it's interesting. I read a I read a review of the movie. I think it was New York Times, and they said he had a commanding physical presence. And I'm like, yes, because he wasn't a big guy, but I was scared shitless of this man. <laughs> I was like, oh my god. <laughs> well, he's dragging the sergeant at some point, like it's a blanket, like he's a four year old with a blanket, and I'm like, right, this man is insane. Like what? I'm like, yeah, it's crazy. It's like. Well, it reminds me, Dom, so what you said reminded me of one of my favorite Simpsons episodes is the one where Marge does the pretzel wagon. And there's a part at the end where the Italian mafia and the, and the Yakuza get into a big fight. And there's this whole point where, like, Homer's pointing out, he's like, there's this little guy on the side. And he isn't doing anything. He's just standing there. He's like, I just want and Marge is like trying to get him out of there because, you know, mafia war in their front yard. And he's like, it's the, the little guy. I just want to see the little guy what he's going to do. <laughs> like, right. It's that same idea. Like, you always know that it's that, that little guy. That's just, it's a chihuahua effect, right? That's just going <laughs> to tear from afar. But I love, um, yeah, he, I mean, he's my favorite character in the movie. Like, when he has his fight with Jaka, you know, we get that tense showdown where he's got the gun pointed in his head and Jaka has the knife pointed at him. Which I love that that's even a showdown, because I'm like, how is that really a showdown? Like, he has a knife that can't even touch you, and, you know, you have the gun, you know, and they have this very tense, like, walk-away moment where they go away into this side room. And I'll admit, like, the first time I saw it, I remember thinking, but they're still trying to establish, like, oh, wait, is this guy, like, crazy? Or maybe he's like that? And, you know, he puts down the gun. And I remember thinking at the moment that I was like, oh, maybe he's actually, like, this is a nice guy, like. 
He's not that bad. He's oh, he's not no. gonna, you know. And then he just like takes his shirt off or his sweater off, and it like puts his hands up. So he's like, I like the, I you know, I like to do it with these. And that and that entire fight, like, and the thing that the thing that stands out to me, the I mean, yeah, like let let's talk about that or you know, the all of his fights are ridiculous. Um, you know what you said, Don before. Uh, yes, he's so he's a martial. He was also trained in uh, Silat. And him and Iko Ues were the two fight choreographers for the movies. So they designed all of these fights, um, which are really interesting, like how those were. We can get into that later if we want to, about how they designed the fights. because It's really interesting the way that they did that. But uh, the thing that gets me about this fight is that there's the moment when he beats Jaka, like he is done. And he goes, you know, where he goes to like break his neck. And there, uh, but he doesn't just do it right away. Like there's a scene where he gets his hands under him. And the other hand above, and you could see, like, Jaka, Jaka's done. Like, he's got nothing left in him. And he's just trying, you can just see, like, it felt very real. I felt like in that moment where you realize you are done, this man wants to kill you with his hands. And he's just everything he can just to get out. Like, I just, you know, I just felt like very, the way that that was filmed and shot just felt so, as we talked about before, it's so visceral and real, like, you know, and that ultimately, of course, he does. And it, it's just, it's brutal. And, but it just felt so raw and real. Like, I felt in there with Jaka. like, I've, he's also very talented. Uh, you know, he was a strong fighter. Again, out of these 20 cops that came in, he's one of the only ones left alive at this point. And, you know, he goes hand to hand with this guy and he kicks his ass. And it's just, it's so it's so brutal that I just remember that, like, I just felt so, like, so sad at that point, because I'm like, this guy's just, he's trying, he's got nothing left, like, this is gonna happen, and he can't do anything to stop it, but he's still, like, he's trying, and I just felt like this would be, like, me at that moment, because of course, I mean, I would have lasted much less, the fight between me and Mad Dog would last about, like, less than a second, but, oh, it's just so, like, it's, there's nothing fancy about it, it's, Purely like two people that are there to kill. Like this guy is there to kill him. And well, oh man, two comments on that. One, you're gonna hate my science segment if you like that part where he breaks his neck. <laughs> A little bit of foreshadowing. <laughs> A little bit of foreshadowing for you. Um, and two, you brought up how like you know the sergeant is a really good fighter. What I found funny about this movie is anyone who actually fights is a good fighter with the exception of the Lieutenant. You know, the guy that looks like yeah. Lee Marvin, he oh, looks yeah. like the Indonesian yeah, yeah. Lee Marvin. If you don't know who Lee Marvin is, he's his old timey actors and all these Westerns. Dirty dozen. Yeah. Dirty dozen. Like he looks like, <laughs> first of all, he's the only, everyone else is wearing full squat gear and he's wearing a polo. Like he right. just came from the golf course. He's like, right. Hey guys. Yeah. Let's, uh, <laughs> he's like, I'm, I'm almost on the ninth hole. Let's just finish this up one and two in that scene where they fight. So it's the one guy who's essentially his bodyguard, the lead and Lee Marvin are, are all in this. Like, I think it's like a coke lab. It's like a drug lab. Yeah. It's a drug lab. And the fights are amazing with the exception of the lieutenant. He just throws like a file cabinet at a guy and pushes another guy over. And I'm like, dude, you have no business being here. (laughs) You know? And he's just like, he's just like, great. I'm like, I'm like, come on. <laughs> so like Well he really had, but he really had no business being yeah, there. Yeah, he did. But right. it was like it became right. painfully obvious because you got these three guys that are just like a ama- two guys who are amazing fighters, and then this schlep who's just like, oh, fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. I thought so. He can't uh, even kill himself. He can't even kill himself. Right. Come on, dude. You're in a high rise. Just jump out the window. Like, come on. Eco oh did Lord. it. But he lived. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> okay. So <laughs> to what you were saying. So Mike, I, okay. So that was very interesting. So the, the, because uh, like yeah as a filmmaker especially like paying attention to cinematography and the way that they set up certain shots and stuff like I have that one scene where it's Mad Dog and and the, the sergeant and the, the, the scene with like you know the sergeant pointing the, the knife and him pointing the gun so like and the, I feel like in that entire sequence there's like two there's two moments where you're getting why they're calling him Mad Dog and it's not because like which is insane to me because like the entire movie it's a lot of that there are a lot of guns like there's a lot of guns like surprisingly with all the fighting going on there's also a lot of guns and here comes this guy who has this reputation as being the mad dog and you're like okay well he hasn't necessarily done anything that's mad yet so like when you know when he's pointing the gun at him you're like okay well it's it's done. It's over. Like this man has a gun. There's no way he's going to get away. And then when he's like, you know what, like we're going to put these down. You're like, okay, so like, what is this guy's thing? Right. So you're, it's like letting your guard down. You're like, okay, what's going on? And then he's like, I want to fight with his hands. And he's clearly a better fighter. And so like that moment that you're talking about, uh, Mike, when he doesn't kill him instantly. Right. Yeah. yeah. It's that like, no, I'm going to like, first of all, I'm going to enjoy this. Yeah. And then second oh, yeah. of all, like, I'm going to take you through this very slow, painful thing. And then I'm going to, like, you know, right. finally, you know, give the last blow. And it's just, that's why. So you're established. This, that sequence is really establishing, because there's a lot of that, too, in this movie, establishing yeah. who these people are, right? So you establish Rama at the at the beginning. You establish the, the sergeant, you know, you establish who Mad Dog is. You establish who his brother is. And then finally, yeah. then all of these people collide. So now you have you you have who these people are, right? Yeah. And so that's why you're rooting for these two brothers, even though they're on the opposite sides of the law. Like that, fi- and then right. we'll get in more into that. But like, yeah, that's what I love about that sequence, particularly, is because you're getting to know why the mad dog is the mad dog, and then of course, right. you know, other things happen after that. And so, right, right, yeah, yeah. Well, I like Evan said too in the in the commentary that you know he wanted to show that Mad Dog like the whole idea of like killing someone with a gun like it does nothing to it's uh, impersonal. Mad I Dog. think is the word it means nothing at. to him. Yeah, right? It's impersonal. Like, it, it doesn't. It doesn't move. Like it doesn't. The only way that he gets that fulfillment and excitement is actually using his hands to kill someone. That anything else to him is just. It's boring. Um, I'd like to bring. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, go ahead, man. I was. I was saying. I was thinking like um, when I was talking about monotony and how this movie has zero monotony to it. Um, I feel that that's a good point that you bring up. Is that you know once they start doing hand to hand combat more and more and more, it elevates the movie because let's face it, it starts off with a lot of gun violence. You know, you're hiding behind brick walls. Right. You know, and then it becomes weapons and hand to hand. And by the end of the movie, it just deteriorates into this, you know, like you said, this very, very personal kind of close visceral. quarters, yeah. visceral fighting. And I feel that that accumulation, like I said, 
no monotony whatsoever. You're not watching the same thing over and over. And also, yeah. you know, and, and, and it keeps you involved. It, it, you know, as the characters get whittled down to these core characters, you also whittle down the amount of weaponry and the fighting yeah. into this very much like gr- it comes grittier and grittier. Um, yeah. Which I thought was, I thought was, is masterful. Like, I, I, you know, the mo- oh, yeah. when this movie ended, I was so amped. Like, I was just like, whoa! I was just so, I had so much energy. I was so pumped from this movie. The only movie I think I've seen recently that pumps me up more than this movie is, of course, Rocky Four. Sorry. Rocky Four pumped me up. <laughs> like, I mean, if you don't get pumped up watching Rocky Four, you, you know, you're a robot. I'm sorry. We're just going to, I'm just going to say that. For half a second, I thought you were going to say the Batman again, and I was going to have to cut right. you right off. Cut the mic. Cut the mic. I also thought the same, the same thing. I thought the same thing, man. It's one of the things, you know, go, going to that whole idea with, like, the guns and all that, that is amazing to me is that this movie, I look, the budget for this movie is, like, $1 million, which is... Micro it's budget. Actually, it's less than the budget to our last film, Bloodsport, that came 15 years before this. Um, so again, it's a really small budget, and it's really interesting, like, listening to Evans, he'll talk about, like, different ways that he, uh, like, all the guns in it, they're all airsoft guns. Like, they added in uh, digital, they're like, the only digital effects in this movie are, for the most part, are the muzzle flashes and, like, casings, like, firing out of it afterwards. Otherwise, yeah, he used airsoft guns. Well, they were really about- cheap because the SWAT car didn't have bulletproof freaking glass. Like, I'm just going to point that out. Like, <laughs> typically a SWAT van wouldn't get, like, shot to shit. You know, like, when they go up and they, and they just drill all those people. I'm like, really? You couldn't get bulletproof glass and bulletproof metal on a right. freaking SWAT car? You know, they couldn't just pan well, it funny- with bulletproof vests? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> well, the funny thing about that that van too is that, like they wanted to get uh, like I think they if I remember this right they asked the like uh, Jakarta police can we get one of these uh, whatever their like armored carriers are and mm. you know they got no because at the time like who the hell are you, you know and mm-hmm. or just asked way more money than again they had like no money so they bought like a cheap ass van and painted it up and painted built it up so that it looks like this. They show, like, it's basically squids in there, right? That they did all the, like, gunshots into it. Like, it's really, like, this whole, uh, in fact, though, it's like this whole idea of the guerrilla filmmaking that, uh, you know, like, Robert Rodriguez is really, really big in, uh, and that was something I remember reading that, like, uh, Gareth Evans said was really influential. Some of the ideas he got for that, like, how to shoot some of this came from him just watching Robert Rodriguez YouTube videos on, like, he'd do these like really short filmmaking videos and he, you know, there's that kind of feel, but it's, again, it's so where I think, and again, I love Robert Rodriguez. I love Robert Rodriguez, but I think, you know, his style is very campy often, you know, purposefully. And, but this is so, so authentic. And it's just amazing. You know, he talked about, uh, it's interesting. Like if you listen to Gareth Evans talk about this movie for people like us that love movies, you know, we've talked uh, again, we've already brought in a wide range of movies in our discussion here, including our you know, the Batman and all that other stuff. Uh, you know, Evans talked about different movies that inspired him here, like the um, I know the Escape from New York was something that inspired the, the whole scene. That's one of the best of the movie. Mm. Um, but he talked about some of those, uh, you know, that he did. a He would do a lot of 
things where you know it would focus on four characters, but just using like sounds outside of the room, um, you know, would make you feel like, oh, there's all there's like 50 guys outside of this room. Like they didn't have that many extras. They had, you know, a handful of people or even just we get this really cool scene in the beginning where the snipers come across uh, the building across the street. We see them shoot the cop. But then after that, we never see them again, which is something I've noticed on multiple rewatches. We just we get multiple scenes where someone like approaches a door or a window and gets blasted. So we know right away, like we get this whole concept that this entire building is surrounded by all these snipers. But we just all we see are just these two guys in one scene. Otherwise, it's just, you know, it's the characters that we're following that we see them get shot. But we never see all this other stuff. And it, like, that's what I love about that. He sets this whole he walks us in and like it's easy to buy into the kind, you know, we get Tama, the bad guy that makes that the like, please enjoy yourselves when he invites like the entire complex to kill all these cops <laughs> like uh, we get that setting and then everything uh, for the most part all these scenes are like three or four people or two people but we feel like we know there's this entire army around there but we never see it because he's invested this time right away to just get us into uh this and find it, it, it's, it's amazing i but that's the kind of thing i love that he sells that and then you know we don't need these like dramatic set pieces it's just now we're bought into like we can live off of just seeing what happens to these two people this time, and you know we feel like we connect with everything else that's there. Um, an interesting thing. So first of all, there was like you said, not a lot of special effects. One of the special effects I absolutely love is when the guy shoots the gun and they slow it down so the burst from the gun shows mm. the shadows move. And yes. the guys up top see that, and they freaking blast the hell out brilliant. of it. Brilliant! I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. And, and actually, I'd like yeah. to say I'd like to segue into something. The building is a character in this movie, and I mean that from an yeah, architectural standpoint. Yeah. I, I did watch it with an architect, so so that was very helpful. <laughs> um, no, um, so the way the building is set up is, is very interesting for that. Um, so it's essentially you have all the rooms around the outside of the building, and then you have a stairwell, clearly, going from each level. And then you have a hallway around inside, around an atrium that, like, is a skylight atrium that goes up the center. And this creates for a very interesting environment because, like, every floor is exactly the same. Um, you can only get up like either elevator or stair, which is located on the side. You have, you have, you don't have a banister. You don't have like a, a railing, you know, there's a brick, not a brick, I'm sorry, a, a concrete wall that stops you from falling down the atrium, which they can use for cover. The people that are above you totally have the advantage and can see down. So you're not safe I unless you're ground. Yeah. So you're not safe unless you're in one of the apartments. And even then you're probably not safe. And like they do a lot of like they really use the building well. So there's one scene where like he kicks a guy and the guy falls off one floor and hits oh, that crack oh, on the other floor. And then like they're shooting down, they're shooting up and they climb up and they climb down. And I think it's a very interesting thing. And also something that um that was told to me was this is a similar design, not not the not more elongate, not tall, but it's they do that in prisons. 
So that's the way they set up prisons, too. You have the cells on the sides, and then you have the hallways next to the cells, and then you have different levels. And so, like, the security typically is on top, so they can see. So, you know, if there's a riot or anything, they can look down at it, and they have an advantage. And it's very interesting how this building... I don't feel like they were just like, ah, we'll just pick any building because this building is the best style of building for this movie. And I think they did a really good job using it. And I feel like I feel like I know what the building looks like now because of that. And it's just fascinating. Like, like it, well, well, I wonder if that was the connection. Like if they were like, like for symbol, because I'm that person, I'm a director through and through. Yeah. And so I'm like, are you using that building because of like all the advantages that you're talking about or is it that and also because it's similar to like how they set up prisons because in a way it very much is like the entire building is a prison because like it's for the like the people who are part of the gang and the people who are living there like yeah there's not that many but i don't know that could just be jack you're reading too much into it but like well, I don't think yeah. so. It's worth mentioning. It, I think it's a, I think it's a very interesting connection. Yeah. I, I mean, how well, intentional was this? Yeah. <laughs> well, one of the backgrounds to this movie, so after, you know, I mentioned that the first uh, C-Lot movie that Gareth Evans did with Eco was Marantau, and he had this whole concept of, you know, we're going to really do this big movie that's going to put Eco over the top, and he wanted to do a prison movie because he loved this whole idea of, this huge, like this, it's similar in the raid that it's this concept of you are in these enclosed spaces that, you know, that it's for like you're forced into these confrontations in prison. So we had this really uh, grand movie that he had in his mind uh, that he called, I think, Barandal or Barandal was the name oh, for it. Barandal, um, yes. That it would be a prison movie and this grand action movie that luckily we eventually got after this when we got the raid two that. We're definitely going to cover, and Jackie, we're definitely going to have you back for it because that movie is a masterwork. But eventually, yeah, I, just realized like he he knew that would be a significant. The design that he had in mind for that movie was huge and would need a significant budget, and they kept going, uh, you know, back and forth um, with different investors trying to get him to put in the money. They couldn't get it, so he decided. He decided he's like, look, Eco's kind of sitting out there waiting for us to do something for him. We need to do a movie. So, you know, we're going to do this. And I, I bet you're exactly right. And a lot of the concepts he had for this, this idea, this prison movie he put into this, which is interesting. Like, uh, you know, there's a whole, I don't want to like waste too much of our time here, but like, you know, the move where this was shot was a combination of real buildings and studios. Uh, but this is really the creation of like Gareth Evans mind of this idea, this concept of this building. So I'm sure both of you are exactly right with the, a lot of that was very intentional in how he designed it. And again, it just makes for, yeah, I love that concept Dom, of the building as a character. Um, I think a lot of that is very intentional. Um, also, do you guys believe in coincidence? Because <laughs> I'm serious. You want to talk about coincidence? Have any of you seen the movie Dread? Also known yes. as Dread 3D. Yes. I have not, sa- and I've heard it's the it's same. Right. Right. I was it bring this is up. the same friggin' movie. It's the came out the it same is. year. <laughs> came out the same year. It's same the movie. exact same movie. No, I'm not kidding. I'm not going to spoil the plot. Essentially, it's like this. So if you're not familiar with the Judge Dread universe, it's dystopia where everything's a city and they have these giant mega buildings in the mega cities. Mm-hmm. And Dread and <coughs> excuse me, and a deputy have to go in this building. 
and take out a mobster who's on the top floor and there's all these people that live in the building and they all like you know and it's drug land and they're selling we're making drugs and they're selling drugs and the building is actually set up in the same way exact same way the building it's just a gigantic version of the same building all the apartments are on the outside there's a hallway and this giant atrium down the middle <laughs> which of course they shoot rockets across and stuff it's the exact same movie but i don't think anyone ripped anyone else off because they came out the same year so yeah, in totally know. different different hemispheres like yeah, I, I love know. that movie too. I love yeah. that movie it's, too. It's fantastic. Me too. But, yeah. Yeah, but it's the same movie. It. It's the same movie, except for instead of this, you know, family man cop, it's you know, Dread, who says like three words. He's like, you know, I am the law. He's like, I'm coming for you. <laughs> Judge me, Tim. You know, it's basically yeah. <laughs> Carl Urban's great in it, but yeah, Carl Urban's great in it, but like, like when is Dredd- Carl Urban not great? Yeah, really, it's true. No. Mm, well, there's some there, there's some movies, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's fair. All right, all right. That's I love fair. it. Um, I love yeah. it. But I yeah. mean, he was the only shining star in Doom. I would say, <laughs> maybe not. You didn't like maybe The not. Rock? I haven't oh. seen Doom actually. Don't, don't, don't. don't yeah, don't, don't save, save yourself. Don't, don't you don't seem like it. a very nice person. Don't do this to yourself. <laughs> I won't. I won't. Or if you're bored one night, do it. It's it's an experience. Uh, <laughs> I had to look because I, I wanted to know. I had that same exact thought, Dom, and I love Dread too. Um, Dread started shooting a year before the raid. Oh, interesting. Can you believe that? <laughs> so it, it really yeah. is parallel thinking in every way. And right. yeah, Dread, uh, the differences are Dread is pretty much all gunplay all the time. Yeah. Um, and, and they do a lot of interesting stuff with slow motion. Yes. Um, that I think I is. That. Oh, it's or the so drug, cool. like where it's like. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I gotta see it. All right, I gotta see it. It's solid. It, it is. It is like it's. It has a grindhousey feel to it, but it's just so well executed. Like, yeah, and, and I was so surprised it wasn't more popular. Like it really I, should be. Yeah, because it's <laughs> yeah. It, it's totally like I say. It's it's the same movie, but it's completely not uh, visually. Oh, yeah. It's it's just as amazing as as the raid, but for completely different reasons. Right. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Where this is a little bit oh, more grimy, okay. it's a little bit more I don't know Hollywood polished, obviously, because yeah. you know. Mm-hmm. It's, but sure. the slow motion that that one because it's right at the beginning of the movie, so I'm not spoiling anything. But when the person goes over the the side of the yes. the rail in slow motion oh. and everything is sparkling, oh my gosh! Got it. It's one of the most it's amazing actually, sequences. It yeah. actually came up when we did our uh, adventure to Syracuse for the Kung Fu Festival. Me and Dom and Jason, I remember, talked about this movie. I can't remember what in comparison to, but yeah, I got to see it. It's worth watching. It, guys, oh, no. The reason I brought it up is because um, we were discussing um, someone commissioned my wife to do an artistic rendition of Dredd's motorcycle. Ah, right. Cool. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, like a blueprint of it. So, yeah, it was it was, it was really cool. Check it out. If you listen, Studio Demore, they are on Instagram. Um, they're really cool stuff. Mm-hmm. So check that out. Um, we're starting to get towards the end of time. Tom, I'm really hoping that you have a science segment for us tonight. Science. Oh, Thomas Dolby, you're my Huckleberry. All right. (laughs) Love the Tombstone reference. (laughs) So, uh, this is... 
So here's the thing. There's not a lot of sciencey stuff in this movie. I was thinking maybe I could talk about the architecture of the building or whatever, but I'm not qualified for that. But uh, Mike mentioned, what about like the Mad Dog signature neck crack move? And I'm like, that's in so many movies. So let's do it. Let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So my face. So remove eyes. So so. So you so here's the thing with the eye. In case you miss the King Boxer big long diatribe, you can't remove eyes that way, but you can totally remove someone's eyes with your fingers. Don't try it at all. Okay, breaking someone's neck with your bare hands, on the other hand, is extremely extremely difficult it's extremely difficult to do considering it is one of the most tried and true movie tropes i think you should realize this that it is not easy to do and and if you ask me it gets lazier and lazier and lazier with every movie so there's this movie with antonio banderas um i never pronounce his name with my accent because he's so sexy antonio banderas anyway he it's assassins i think it's called and what he does is oh yeah he he kicks he's in the back of a cop car he kicks the glass of the window in the cop car once again very poorly designed cop vehicles as plot devices <laughs> reaches around the front because the cop is clearly driving with the window down and goes like this and goes like i'm, I'm showing people but like imagine he grabs him like on both temples <laughs> and he goes fling and he breaks the guy's neck like looks like no exertion cannot happen cannot happen my favorite one though is from commando when arnold's sitting next to the one mobster and like he just grabs him puts him in a headlock and goes and then puts a pillow behind his head leans him back and and the flight attendant goes um and the flight attendant comes by and he goes excuse me uh can you leave my friend alone he's dead tired and i'm like ah i love this movie can't happen. I'll tell you why. So there's a couple of reasons why this can happen. Typically, when people break their neck, you need a lot of impact. And often, it's either a whiplash kind of motion where your head whips back really hard, or it's compression. So a lot of times when people break their neck, their head is either hyperextended, which means it's going backwards, hyperflexed, which means it's going forward, and there's lots of downward compression that causes things to pop out of place. Okay, so a really easy way to break your neck, dive into a short end of a pool, right? It happens all the time. People dive into the short end of the pool, and they hit the top of their head, and everything gets squashed down. You know, their chin goes forward or goes, or the back of the head goes back. Everything gets compressed and sheared, and then boom. That's how it happens. Rarely does your neck break from having your head turned to the side. Because number one, it's supposed to work that way. And, you know, number two, it's um, if you turn your head quickly, your body's just going to go with it. So, for example, if I were to grab if I were to grab a very small person by their head and twist their head really quickly, they're going to tense up their neck muscles and their body's going to go with it. And even if you grab the guy's body and hold it down with one hand and then pull their head in the other direction, which is what the mad dog does, the amount of meat muscle it would take to generate the force to break the neck that way it's almost impossible especially if the person is struggling so you know when you see in movies someone walks up behind someone and like gently touches either side of the head and just flicks and then they go <laughs> and fall down 
that can't happen. Okay. So if you want to break someone's neck, a pile driver is not a bad idea because you're using all your body weight and they're <laughs> smashing down on their head. That'll work. Throw them off a building. That'll work. But the twist kind of thing doesn't work. There are moves in martial arts. In jiu-jitsu, they call them neck cranks. And neck cranks typically work the way I describe. What you do is you you somehow apply pressure typically to the back of the person's head, which results in compression and they hyperflex. And that causes, you know, there's one famous one. It's can opener. It's when you have a guy in guard, you grab him the top of the head and you pull down. And it really, really hurts because you're squashing their head down. And that's causing compression there. There's another one. I, you can do it from a crucifix. It's called a cattle something. I can't remember. Not a cattle prod or a cattle. I know cattle something. That's another way to do it. <laughs> and then there's the twister, which is where you pull the head down and compress it like that. But all of them are, like I said, none of them are this dramatic twist because your body will go with it. And to add, this is the worst part of it. <laughs> if you were, if I, like, if, let's say, if you are super duper duper strong and you manage to twist someone's head so quickly that you do so much damage to their muscles and bones that they're incapacitated, they're not going to die because you're not actually breaking anything that will kill you, right? Your brain still works. Your lungs still work. Your heart still works. All that stuff still works. So what's going to happen is you're going to go and you're going to fall down and be like, ow, that really hurt. And then if you're not paralyzed, you're going to probably pick up your gun and shoot the guy. So the idea in the movie is that when they crack the neck and they're just like instantly dead, no, they'd be like, ow, you know, it would be, it would be, it would be a whole thing. It would be a whole thing. So and I mean, they do it in Lethal Weapon 2. They do it in, in the Matrix. I think it's the Matrix Revolutions. They have a great one. There's so many good ones. So, um, yeah, you can actually look up compilations on the best neck breaks. But if you ever see, like I said, if you ever see a person and they break someone's neck and they do not break a sweat, it's 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 to the point of ridiculousness. So. Mad Dog is a great martial artist. He does some great fighting in this movie. I'm not knocking his skill level, but if you wanted to kill a guy by breaking his neck, you just throw him out the window. That's a much better way. So note to self, uh, when I'm making movies, when I get to narratives, uh, don't include that in the movie because somewhere Donald's going to be like, Jackie, seriously. Um, Jackie, I can teach you a neck crank or two and you can have him do that in the movie. There's plenty of videos, uh, like uh, I, there's plenty of videos uh, where they they do a bunch of neck cranks, and yeah, so you could yeah. you could do that. It's not as dramatic because you know you you take a person and you hold them down and you, and then they're like ow ow ow, ow and that's you know <laughs> in real life they tap. But yeah, to so. our listeners, I believe if you actually buy. Dr. Dom, one of those Bolo Young 975 statues, $75 statues we talked about in the Bloodsport episode, he will teach you how to do a neck crank. Yes. It's, I think you should totally have me teach you a neck crank and not find the plethora of free videos online that just shows how to do that. I think Eddie Bravo has a bunch of them. So, uh, 10th Planet, I mean, has a bunch of them. So, I think, yeah, no, definitely buy me that statue and you'll get a picture of me standing next to it. We're both will be shirtless too. It'll be great. You'll love it. Barking at twice the, twice the price at that point. Um, I can also corroborate everything that Dom just said. When I was a kid, um, I, I had a, a vertebrae issue and my pediatrician picked me up by the head and just like held me off the table and shook me to put it back in place. And I was Holy. perfectly fine. Um, I mean, what? arguable, but yeah, and I'm not dead. So, and it's a similar move. 
Yeah. Um, so I am the case study. Oh, that that's why you that. are the way you are. Yeah, I mean, there there's surely was damage, but not not enough to kill me. <laughs> and actually, now that you bring up neck injuries, a lot of neck injuries that people get in wrestling, um, and that might be like a WWE move that kind of like replicates this idea, is people will roll over like – so like imagine you're sitting down and you roll back – and over your neck and over the top of your head. But imagine someone applies pressure to you right when all your weight's on your neck. That's a good way to really hurt your neck, too. So a lot of wrestlers, um, a lot of, you know, actual wrestlers, like high school and college, you know, Olympic-level wrestlers, that's a common injury because they'll get rolled back and then pressed down, and you can really hurt your neck that way, too. I don't know about breaking. That's a little dramatic. But that's a neck injury, too. But once again, that's compression, one, two, it's hyperflexion, so you're looking down. And three, there's no twisting involved. So the movies are just going right, for the right. snap because it's sexy, but it's it's baloney, unfortunately. Yeah, and you're right. Well, Pile driver is the move what, to go for because that's yeah, yeah. That that's what happened to Steve Austin. Isn't that what basically ended Stone? Yeah, you know, there you go. What I was going to say, it's basically yeah. ended Stone Cold's career. Who was that? Was that Luther or that was? Oh uh, no, that was. Goldberg. I feel like Goldberg. That was Owen Hart. Done that to a lot of people. Well, Goldberg oh, doesn't no. have a neck, so he's fine. Yeah, that, he's fine. He, that, he's essentially a frog. No, he's just like you're, almost. You're, oh, we, we've Bret already Hart. talked about whether uh, <laughs> this is whether we've talked about before whether I think it's King, King Boxer whether uh, professional wrestling is a martial arts movie. I still haven't heard if you've seen uh, Minoru Suzuki yet, Dom. We got to talk about that offline. All right, we will. I haven't, though. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's the end of that we conversation. Sorry, ja- Jackie. We have three. <laughs> Matt and I are both big fans of pro wrestling, so we. Are, and Jackie, uh, I am not. I, okay. I, I, cool. Jackie, I'm not, and they are trying to get me into it like real bad. And don't, don't, don't I, I don't want to piss off anyone in our audience. It's not really my style, I guess. Don't do it. There's one guy. You know you've got- yeah. <laughs> it's fair. It's a slippery slope. As soon right, as you start to watch it, you're out of luck. I, I, no, I, I, right, I agree right, completely. Right, right. Don't, just, don't do it. You've got to find the one entrance way in. Yeah, don't get me started because I have all these. No, don't. Please just don't. Let's, just, let's call it. We'll call it here. Just, call it. Tapping out. That was, five, that was, five, five that minutes was a fantastic with, science thing. Yep. Yes. I learned I learned uh, a lot today. That's awesome. Um, <laughs> all right. So wrapping up, is there any any final thoughts on the raid from any of you? Last thoughts, last uh, things you want to get in. I have a question. Is the raid 2 better? I haven't seen it. <gasps> have you not seen it? I have not seen it. Oh, I... you have to. You want to know what? Don't I do have this to me, Dom. <laughs> Oh God! The I don't sequels know. are rarely better. So is it is it better? I'm not saying I'm gonna see it. It's different. It's different. It's different. It's, yeah, it's different. It like I I it, loved I loved the raid too. I just because I really like I remember after watching that movie, I wanted a third one. Um, I it's, but it's it's they're so different. They're, they're two different movies, so it's hard for me to be like, yeah, oh, it, this is one over the other, uh, over the other. I had a question too when you guys. Were- all I will say about raid two, Dom. I love raid two. I think I love Raid One for all the reasons I said at the at the onset here that it's very it's very focused and streamlined. Raid Two is Gareth Evans gets the budget he dreamed of and tells this epic. It's very very epic. So no, it's longer, it's bigger, it's it's all out, all out. It is great. It's just they're very different movies. So that's what I kind of like. You can enjoy them like you want this tight, hyper focused, intense, visceral movie. You got the Raid. You want uh, just these balls to the wall for uh, this epic story. That is what the Raid 2 is. Uh, 
I highly recommend it. Definitely see it. And yeah, I w- really wish that we got the Raid 3 instead of the supposed Netflix Michael Bay Raid remake that we're going to get that I'm sure. No. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Anyways, Jackie, ask your question. Let's not. It's Let's a very quick about that. It's a, it's a very quick question because like when I went to go put my DVD or Blu-ray in, um, I noticed this change from when Mike had borrowed it. So I was like, what is going on? Um, <laughs> no judge, no judging. Um, however, do you do you all watch it with dubs or do you watch it in like in the its original language with subtitles? You know, Jackie, I I, I was so frustrated because I watched it on HBO Max and it is only dubbed. Right. Yep. And yeah. the, the, dub, the dub is atrocious. It is one of the worst dubs I've ever heard in my it's entire bad. life. And it bummed it's me out bad. so hard. It's like an eighties yep. anime dub. That's yeah. that level. It's, it's bad. Yeah. I watched it on HBO yep. max yep. too. Um, me personally, it, uh, in, in le- unless it's anime, cause anime, like it doesn't sync up with the mouth anyway. So it doesn't freaking matter. Mm-hmm. I always watch the, the subtitles always, mm-hmm. always because I feel like you lose yeah. you lose a lot. You lose the expression. You lose the nuance. I'd rather be able to have them express themselves in their own language and be like, okay, that means this. Okay, that means that. Right. Then have someone right. who, you know, doesn't yeah. really isn't really into it speaking for them. That's that's me. I will always go subtitles um, unless I don't have the option. Okay, as is the case right. here. Right. Right. Yeah. Because so I put the Blu-ray in. So again, like Mike had borrowed it, and then I watched again today and i and it was my first time since he had returned it um watching it and then i like i go in the other room because i've watched the movie so many times and i hear english and like my head did this because i was like don't break your neck why, why, exactly, <laughs> why am i hearing english why is going on here and i'm like it's an english dub I'm like no 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 no. what we're going to do is we're going to turn on the original audio and we're going to put on subtitles like what is this so I just actually I just wanted to know because it just distracts me like the yes. the subtitle I was like no I'd rather like you yep. were saying Dom like I'd rather hear them express themselves in their native language and then right. hear, and then just read the subtitles because because that's what they do overseas like for yeah. our movies and stuff that's what they're doing they're they're watching it with subtitles so I was like we can we can do the same and it's fine right <laughs> right 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 100%. well it's one of the things I loved about you know since I feel like we're frequently in this episode referencing outside movies. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. What, no, no, there's nothing that's wrong. Me. Again, it, I, all of this comes together, right? But I, one of the things I loved about West Side Story, the Steven Spielberg version, is that he did not include subtitles oh, for Spanish because he said, if yeah. you do that, it says English is the primary language. And no, it's if you want to know Spanish, that you figure it out. Yeah. Or like, if you don't know, it's each of those. Anyways, so, uh, yes, I usually watch the natural or the the original language. Um, but I think that that actually connects to the one thing I was going to bring up. The interesting thing about this movie, so again, it was filmed in Indonesia, was uh, originally all the languages Indonesian, um, was given the title The Raid. And when it came to it was produced first by Gareth Evans' company uh, and produ- or distributed by XYZ Films that's done a lot of really interesting kind of genre films, uh, including, I know, former anomaly film, Paper Tigers, that I just absolutely love and hope we cover someday. Um, and a bunch of other, I can't remember offhand. I know they've done a lot of really interesting genre films internationally. But it was picked up in America by Sony. And the reason that we have this title that we were joking on before, 
the Raid Redemption, which is a side question I was going to ask, and maybe I'll put this on Twitter to the audience, but is there actually any redemption that happens in this movie? Yeah, uh, but the yeah. Reason, see, I, I I could have a whole kind of, let's talk about this later, Jackie. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have thought, right. I have thought about that. Uh, <laughs> I, but the reason it was given this title, The Raid, The Raid Redemption, was because in America, there's this film that Fox produced in 1954 called The Raid. It was interestingly enough about Confederate soldiers in Canada that try to raid a town in Vermont. So, yeah, that's great. <laughs> Fun, the Confederates. We, we got January 6th <laughs> insurrectionists, basically. Oh essentially, that this continue to ruin everything. So, basically, uh, Sony couldn't get the rights to the title The Raid because we had to preserve the title of this friggin' this confederate movie i was so confused <laughs> so hence they gave the name the raid redemption <laughs> so that uh, you know because they could get the rights to this and they also uh, another interesting thing that they totally redid the scores so there was a score that was done by uh indonesian uh musicians uh when it came to america sony hired mike shinoda of lincoln park who i actually liked i have a soft spot i really liked uh, Lincoln Park, uh, some of their songs. And I'm sorry to interrupt you. I have to comment on the soundtrack. Every martial arts movie should have a techno house like soundtrack because it's. I I really feel like that added something. It was just such a. I think so. Oh, did what a really a, good score. What a sound. This. Yeah, what a score. It was just like so. I, I mean, it felt like you know, uh, uh, it was like the dance club from hell. I absolutely loved it. <laughs> And I will bring up the Mortal Kombat movie. I feel that Mortal Kombat <laughs> yes. oh, set yeah. the stage and was like, you know what? Great, what's great music for a martial arts movie? Friggin' techno. And <laughs> they were right. You can say what you want about that movie, but the soundtrack kicks so much ass. And this movie, I feel like, is standing on the shoulders of that, quote, giant? I don't know. Whatever. But you get what I'm saying. It's a giant. I think you can call it a giant. Yeah, <laughs> and Mike Snowden did a song for this with uh, Chino Morales, I think, from Deftones. Chino so Moreno I guess that the falls squarely under the um, new metal yeah, those title guys are, that I absolutely hate. These guys are two new metal masters. But it's yeah, new with a are, U with two little dots oh, on top. Oh, no. New metal. So, oh, new metal. So is this a new martial? I'm going to stop there. Anyways, that was my fact. My fun fact. I am. Yeah, we could continue. I, like we, I feel like we barely talked about how amazing Eco is in this movie. And uh, again, I mean, the, listen, okay. Uh, if you want to, yeah, you can listen, okay. If you would like to, okay, on Twitter, I can do a whole thing of like just fangirling over Eco. It's fine because like <laughs> I had, I had no other outlet to do that because. I feel like people people don't know a lot of people don't know about this movie and so I was like listen let me tell you about Eco okay um yeah so go on anyway. go on we need I'm whole... not gonna do that no it's okay I don't go like go on he's got dreamy eyes listen we will he's do listen we'll, he's we'll... dreamy everything okay yes, dreamy everything alright we'll do the raid two. Oh my god. we'll do another movie I have not seen yet the night uh, what is it the night comes for us yeah or something like that something i've heard i know jason is a huge fan of that movie um so yeah we got to do that and if we got to have we got to cover a lot of eco i've also heard that his tv show on netflix woo assassins i mean woo already gets me and i've heard woo assassins is great listen 
The moment that he showed up in The Force Awakens, I let out a gasp. I let out a gasp, but I'm not sure it entirely was a gasp. I don't know. It was an involuntary sound. I'm going to say it was a gasp, but I don't know. But like he shows up and I was, I yeah, I let out a sound. That's all you need to know. I don't, well, yeah. And the fun connection with Force Awakens that ties really well into this is it's both him and Yuyan, uh yes. played Mad Dog, yes. are in there. So we could consider Force Awakens is basically in the Raid universe. Yes. <laughs> Let's just call that. All right. Well, that's, uh, again, we could go on <laughs> at the, at the uh, attempt at keeping this one below the uh, run length of the original movie. <laughs> Let's wrap it there. Uh, Jackie, again, thank you so much for coming on. We got to have you again. This is a lot of fun. Uh, Jackie, I know you have some exciting stuff coming up for our Voices Project, so I hope you can plug a little bit of that here and make sure our listeners are aware of what's coming up. Yeah, so we have a, a series called Representation in Cinema, where we talk about uh, Black, Indigenous, and people of color and how they're portrayed and represented in cinema. Um, and so the next, uh, so we're moving into like the, the podcast format. And so in May, we're going to be talking about Attack the Block with another like um, favorite of mine, John Boyega. Um, so we're going to be talking about Attack the Block and then also um, Fast Color, which is a, is a movie about three women. So there's three black women, um, a grandmother, a mother, and a, um, and a daughter. They all have these abilities. And it's really about the mother um, really finding her identity and honing in her abilities. Um, and in, at, all, at all this time, too, they're being chased by the government. So it's uh it's really good. It both let's see, attack the block. You can watch on um uh what is it? Sh- uh, it's not Showtime. Stars. Um, and if you don't, if you're not familiar with attack the block, it's basically a bunch of teenagers um in South London whose uh, block gets attacked by aliens. And so they are defending their na- their neighborhood. Um, and then Fast Color, I believe, is on Netflix. So um definitely check both out and then uh look. To uh, yeah, look for our voices project again, it's ourvoicesproject.com. Um, we're also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Um, and so be on the lookout for those soon. Excellent, thank you, Jackie. Yeah, I'm really excited about those projects. Uh, I love. I actually, I have never seen a text to block that has been on a watch list of mine. And I'm just, just excited to write John Boyega. We actually get his actual accent in that one, right? Yes, we do. Yes, we do. See, I'm going to make me go into fangirling again, and we don't have time for that. <laughs> I do this every day, though, so, like, it's fine. I'm just, you know, I'm like, can I tag him enough times for him to just, like, guest appear? Please. John um, Boyega, if you listen to this, come on to seriously, the Voices no. Project podcast. Yes. Well, thank you, Jackie. We're, again, so excited to have you here. We're so, thank you. Uh, this is an awesome conversation. Excited to have you again. Um, again, check out our, our Voices Project's website, um, ourvoicesproject.com. Find Jackie on Twitter. Jackie, remind, it's at Jackie. At Jackie McGriff. That's M as in Mary, C-G-R-I-F-F as in Frank. Frank. There you go. So thank yeah, you. So. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. I, <laughs> I think I've said this uh, before. Yeah, find Jackie on Twitter, at Jackie McGriff.com. Or at <laughs> My dot coms wow. are all over the oh place. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm at I, Jackie. You know what the problem is, I am just, since you talked about Eco and then John, my mind is just thinking about these creamy awesome people. <laughs> so yeah, find Jackie on Twitter. Uh, check out their website. Awesome stuff coming. And again, uh, the films that they've already produced, 
on there are freaking spectacular. So please uh, take the time to check it out. And uh, we also have some shows from our Lunchador Podcast Network family. Uh, we have some new stuff from Beer Review Journal and Anomaly. Uh, and again, we have the Anomaly Film Fest coming up in November. Uh, so check out all that stuff in Okuda Town. Uh, mimosas with besties uh, all our lunch door podcast family we got great stuff coming out there again uh, if you want to throw up listen to Matt on Beer Review Journals High praise, latest man. episode there's the <laughs> so if, if you don't want to no, abuse it's yourself, really interesting if you don't want to abuse yourself <laughs> the new episode of Anomaly Presents is a conversation between uh, the director and writer of We're All Go- Going to the World's Fair, Jane Schoenbrunn, uh, with Dave Tyler, who is the, the uh, uh, person that runs uh, social media at RIT. Uh, it's a conversation about the film, which is kind of a creepy pasta exploration of coming of age. It's uh, just hitting theaters now. I think it's on streaming in the next week or two. It'll pop up on HBO Max, if I remember right. But it's a fascinating conversation, much better than than, you know, the the weird things that McKenneth and I get up to on the beer show. If you want to be grossed out by the beer show, have at it's fun. Um, but if you want to hear a good conversation, it's uh, it, it's anomaly presents. Also, the the uh, tropical goza from uh, Roarbox is fantastic. If you want a little margarita adjacent beer for Cinco de Mayo coming up, ah yes. So <clears throat> check those all out. Um, again, friends, this is a lot of fun. We'll be back in a couple weeks with a very special episode where we are. Uh, having the opportunity to talk to the authors of these fist brace break bricks, uh, Grady Hendricks and Chris Poggiali. So really excited to actually make that happen and talk about uh, several films, actually. So that'll be another change for us. We're, we're talking about a couple in a row. So really excited to have those on, but really excited again, really and thankful to have our first guest star here. My friend, Jackie McGriff. Thank you again so much for coming on. Hopefully you had as much fun as I did doing this i think we all did and hopefully you'll come back for the raid 2 absolutely uh, and any other movies that uh, yeah no this is a lot of fun thank Thank you you. so much yeah thanks jackie we really appreciate it yay thank you yay Yay. and jason i hope you're if it does involve wings i really hope that you will actually bring those wings back so that you can share with me because otherwise i'll be really upset because if there's one thing that that guy, Mike, has a problem separating from it's the idea of wings and then not eating those wings. So with that, we'll bring this to a close. Uh, friends, again, have a nice night. Stay safe. And if you find the kumite, no. <laughs> we are Punches and Popcorn. This has been a presentation of the Lunchable Podcast Network. Oh, that was fun. Thank you so much. (laughs) I liked it.